God. We want to thank you once again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let all men just, can we just clap our hands and appreciate this moment? Come on, guys. <laughs> As I said, today's uh, church service is a bit different, uh, so we'll have different segments of uh, where, you know, different people will come and share the Word of God to us, a short word to us. So uh, first of all, I would like to call Nidhi uh, to come and share the Word to us. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's a privilege to be standing in front of you here today on Mother's Day, my first one. Um, thank you. This morning, I want to share to you from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15, um, focusing on Sarah today. So I'll just start reading that now. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree, this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then bought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after him, worn out, and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Now this passage is part of a beautiful story that demonstrates the faithfulness of God and Sarah's eventual faith, the effects of which we stand in today. And to start with, I just want to share a little bit about myself. Um, when I was 18, I was diagnosed with something called polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's a common cause for fertility issues and 
um, can affect it. It affects a few million in the UK. It's pretty common for that. And I was told at the time that it could affect my ability to become pregnant. It could take a while, that it might be an issue. It was all very uncertain. And it was always something that had been at the back of my mind, the slow hum of, it might not happen. Years of this really instilled the idea that it was going to be a difficult process, that it might happen naturally, or I might need intervention. And I was fully prepared for all of this. And I had this thought for eight years. Sarah, however, she had years, she had decades of wondering, of doubts. Um, and as the years went by, year by year, and still no children of her own, she even takes matter into her own hands, and she, we know of the story of Hagar and how that all turns out. When she's first introduced to us in Genesis 11, it says, now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. This is the first mention of Sarah in the Bible, someone who was childless. This was her struggle. And I can imagine that this was a tough thing for her to carry over all those years, especially as God had promised to make Abraham a great nation and to make his name great for generations to come, but they had no children. So this seemed like an impossible task. She was in the most honored position, the wife of Abraham, who was called friend of God. Her name itself meant princess. And we know that not having children, it troubled Sarah because she gave her slave to Abraham to have a child through, which as we know now had its own consequences. That's not how God was going to work. He wasn't going through work through the attempts of people, through works, he was going through work through grace and divine promise. When we fast forward a few years, God promises Abraham a son the following year. There's a time scale now. And in the next chapter, in chapter 18, which I've just read, God repeats this promise to Abraham. God had to repeat this promise to him. Now, isn't that the same with us? We hear something once and we think, great, and then we forget it immediately. Like Abraham, we need to hear God's promises over and over again. It says in Romans 10, 17 that, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith comes from hearing the word of God. And here God shows us how vital it is to be reminded of that and hearing the promises that he makes. Now let's get back to Sarah. Where was she in all of this while Abraham was entertaining these strangers? She was at the entrance, she was hidden, but in hearing distance. And she hears this radical promise for herself for the very first time. Now imagine this, a woman in her 90s, and though they all lived a very long time back then, she was still past her childbearing years and hearing that she was gonna give birth. Her reaction is certainly not unwarranted. She had a good reason to laugh in disbelief at this. It would truly have to be a miracle for her to have a child through the usual means. This is what she wanted most of all. Her heart's desire was to have a child of her own. Yet this promise, now that it was so close, it seemed too good to be true. It was too hard to believe that now God would grant her this after all this time. And you'll notice how Sarah, she laughs to herself, but she doesn't say anything out loud. This processing was all happening inwardly. The sense was that she couldn't be heard normally, but God heard her anyway. Not only her laughter, but her thoughts. There was nothing that was hidden from God. And when he gives us outrageous promises, because he does that sometimes, he knows what we're thinking and he knows what we're feeling. He knows our doubts, 
He's not surprised by it. But that doesn't stop him from being God. God shows us through Sarah that there is nothing that is too hard for God and that he can even triumph over the weak faith of his people. And in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot discern himself. That is the character of God. He is faithful and he is gracious to us. And I can testify through that. When John and I started talking about starting a family, the possible challenges we might have and everything else that might come along with it, God gave us hope through the words that will be in addition to the family. And I laughed, I have to admit. Even though I doubted if or when I might have children, God was gracious to me in my worries. And I stand here celebrating my first Mother's Day, and it's a testimony to God's graciousness. It's all very surreal still, um, but it's wonderful. God was gracious to Sarah and her belief, unbelief as well. And Sarah came to trust a faithful God, even when the promise seemed unbelievable. And we can see the effect of that trust in Hebrews 11, where it says, by faith, Sarah received, herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is on the seashore. That is the effect of faith. When God renewed the promise to Abraham in Genesis 17, he laughed. When God renewed the promise yet again in chapter 18, again here Sarah laughs. So when the child was born, Isaac, whose name itself means laughter, it was God who ultimately had the last laugh. Now this act of faith had an effect unlike anything Sarah could have imagined. She would be a mother. She would be a mother of nations to come. She would also be a mother of kings. She would be the mother of the royal line from which King David, from which Jesus' salvation itself would come. And we read in Galatians 4 that Sarah was a, a free woman, a mother of the child of promise, a mother of heirs of the promises given by God to Abraham, and a mother of children who would enter into the new covenant with God. That's us. That's you and me. We stand in that covenant now. Sarah came to know that no obstacle was too hard for God to overcome. This is the faith that she had. And this is the faith that we can have too. Today is an opportunity, really, to reflect on if we are living in that faith. Other things in your life that you know God has promised, but you have yet to see it come to pass. You might have waited years. You might have made it, waited a few months. I don't know. Um, you might have even convinced yourself that maybe you misheard God. We've seen through Sarah that God always comes through on his promises. Here we see God's very character being revealed through his actions as God keeps promises. He turns darkness into light. He changes mourning into dancing and he transforms weeping into joy. Here we see a glimpse of God's very heart. As God transforms Sarah's mocking laughter into a joyous laughter of faith. His promises are still true and he is still faithful. Thank you. I hope that encourages you a little bit.
Hallelujah. Now I'd like to call uh, Mary to share a short word to us. Amen. It's, it's uh, lovely to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, you know, that's the best thing for us. Today, even as we are celebrating Mother's Day, and it's a day where we take an opportunity, children take an opportunity to appreciate mothers in various ways, giving gifts, flowers, cards, preparing meal. I heard, Paul, you're cooking today. And <laughs> for Janice, which is great. Um, so this is a way to just make mothers feel special, honored. You know, but before I continue, I must, we must remember for those, you know, who have recently uh, lost their mothers. Uh, we honor you and, uh, you know, uh, pray that this day will be a special day in some way. And also, Mother's Day is not for everyone. For some, it can be a very difficult time, um, you know, due to hard difficulties in relationship or some bad experience. Today, I'll be sharing very briefly uh, about three mothers from the Bible. Uh, the first one is Jedidah. In Jedidah is mentioned in 2 Kings, uh, chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. It's also pronounced as Yadaida. Um, so if, I think it should come on the screen, 2 Kings 22, verse 1 and 2. Uh, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah, she was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, Jediah's husband was King Amon, which mentions in True Chronicles 33, 21 to 23. And her father-in-law was King Manasseh, now, when you read the Bible in 2 Kings and also in 2 Chronicles, the life of Amon and King Manasseh, it was very ungodly. You know, Scripture says they did evil, worshipped idols, and created a lot of idol worship. So it was a very, very stronghold of the evil one, done by Manasseh and King Amon. And... Josiah, when he became king, he was very young. Now, it must have been a very difficult time for Jediah when her husband, King Amon, died. Because he reigned only two years and he died. And imagine at that time having all this strong idol worship, all these temples and everything created by your husband, and her father-in-law, and in that midst of that, she was a woman who feared God, who loved God, who had faith in God, and she raised Josiah, and her greatest achievement is that scripture says that, you know, he was the godly king 
who walked in the ways of the Lord. And it must have not been easy for that. You know, Jediah played a very, very important role in raising Josiah in the ways of the Lord. After all what a husband did, in spite of having a, had a wicked husband, that's what the scripture says, and her father-in-law who didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. How tough it must have been. But it just shows Jediah was a woman of faith and made a big difference. And that can easily be seen through the life of Josiah. And if you get a chance to read Life of Josiah, it's very, very encouraging. And it just shows what a great achievement done by Jediah. The next one is Eve, um, in the first mother in the Bible, in book of Genesis. Eve had a great influence over her husband, so much so that she persuaded him to ignore God's commandment concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God's word did not have the final say in her life. Now I'm going to compare Eve with Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are some similarities and differences between both of them. Because, you know, we know Eve being the first mother and she disobeyed uh, God and her listen to Satan and uh, uh, and uh, uh, and of course the family were affected in some way through that the third one is Mary mother of Jesus when angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said that you will conceive and you will you know have a son and uh, he will be uh, the savior of the world and uh, so Mary at that time was terrified when she heard this and she said how this is going to happen and the angel Gabriel said the Holy Spirit will do it. Now this was a huge responsibility for that young person. Mary was very young. But what was her response? She said let God's will be done. She yielded herself to the will of God. Now what are the similarities that we see between Mary and Eve, you know, both were mothers, both experienced pain and suffering, both saw a son die, both loved their children. But in other ways, these two mothers are very different. One mother was disobedient and brought sin in the world, that is Eve. The other mother was obedient and brought a savior into the world. One mother was unwilling to do God's will, the other was willing to do God's will, that is Mary. One mother listened to the voice of Satan, the other mother instead listened to the voice of God. One mother brought death into the world, the other mother brought eternal life into the world. In conclusion, you know, just reflecting on these three mothers, Jedida, who at a very difficult time in her life trusted God, had faith in God to believe great things from her son, uh, Josiah, and it happened. Now, I just want to encourage all the mothers today, you know, if you are going through a difficult time in your life, you know, because life is not always easy, you go through ups and downs in the family, but take encouragement from life of Jediah, 
you know, trust in the Lord, even when it is very difficult, hang on, don't give up, you know, don't be like Eve, allowing or hearing the voice of devil, listening to the devil, but, you know, hear the voice of God, stick to the word of God, trust in him, you know, allow God's presence in your family, in your home, you know, be the woman who will, you know, be obedient like Mary to do the will of God, like Mary, you know, where she was just willing just to surrender herself, risking her own life, you know, her reputation, but willing to do God's will, you know, just be like that, Mary, willing to do God's will, surrendering yourself to him. And in conclusion, I'll just end by this verse in uh, Proverbs 10, 29, where it says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. May God bless you. Now I'd like to invite Janice to come and share the final short word to us. Thank you. That was a wonderful song, wasn't it? Absolutely beautiful. Well, I'm going to start by saying that I've been a wife to Paul for nearly 52 years. I've been a mother for over 48 years, and I have three sons and one daughter and 13 grandchildren. <clears throat> So consequently, I've had quite a bit of experience in home managing, management and parenting, and I've acquired, I think, quite a few numerous skills, and I'm just going to enumerate them for you. I've been a cook, a cleaner, a carer, a nurse, a seamstress, a baker, a mender of clothes. I've been a footballer and a cricketer. I've been a storyteller, a chauffeur, a teacher, a good listener. I've been an entertainer, a counsellor, an accountant and a banker. I've been a party planner and I've been a wedding planner. I've been a hairdresser, a shopping consultant, an advisor and a comforting shoulder to cry on. So when I asked Paul if there was anything I'd missed out on that list of what mums do, he said no. It would be endless, and I think for all of you mums here today, you will agree with that. But joking aside, I think one of my greatest responsibilities as a mum has been to pray for my children, to be an, a godly example to them, and to be a spiritual influence in their lives. But I want to talk today about being a grandmother, because I seek to do the same for my grandchildren that I have done, hopefully, for my children. And I want to take a very quick look at the life of an, of an important older woman in the Bible. Her name is Naomi. We don't hear a lot about her. She features in the book of Ruth, uh, 1100 BC, I think the book was written, in the time of the judges before the kings came. Um, and there was a famine in Judah, so she and her husband and her two sons decided to leave Bethlehem, go to Moab, and settle there because it was, um, there was no famine there. While she was there, her husband died. Ten years uh, later, her two sons died as well. Um, and they had married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. She was extremely sad and grieved by this event, and she decides in her misery to go back home. She tries to persuade the two young ladies to leave her, because they're widows as well, and to go back to their own homes. But they say, no, they're going to come with her. 
I think we can learn some things about this lady, the testing that she went through, the grief that she went through, the loss she had, the loss of her home in Bethlehem, and then the loss of her home and her family and husbands and sons in Moab. She's very sad. But what we learn from her is that she was originally a very compliant and obedient wife. She followed her husband's leading, whether it was God's will or not, or whether it was man's decision to follow him and go to Moab. She developed a good, strong relationship with her two daughters-in-law that she must have done. The fact is they wanted to leave Moab and go to, with her to a strange and foreign land. She spoke to him about her faith in the Lord. She actually said that she prayed that they would be blessed in their lives. She wanted them to uh, go back home and marry again and raise a family of their own. What does this tell us as mothers and grandmothers, some older mothers here today? I believe that we all have very different responsibilities. Firstly, we are to be obedient to God in all that we do. I think we should be protecting the relationships that we have within our families, relationship with our sons and daughters, our daughters-in-law, sons-in-laws. They, they may not, sons-in-law, they may not bar, um, marry people we would necessarily choose. I've been very blessed with all my in-laws, and I think that's wonderful. But sometimes th there are difficulties, so we need to protect those relationships. We should be willing to share our faith that we have in Jesus with them, whether they're Christians or not, as they come into the family. And I think we should selflessly want the very best for them. So there's Naomi saying, go back home, marry again. She would then be traveling on her own back to Bethlehem, being very lonely. But that's what we should do. We should be selflessly wanting the best for our children and our grandchildren and our in-laws. Uh, not only was she tested, but the second thing we noticed very quickly is that she had great influence. She had spiritual influence over these two. And as she traveled back with Naomi, it's obvious that her friendship was very important, uh, sorry, to Ruth, uh, because Ruth was willing to go back with her, this daughter-in-law, she wanted to come to Bethlehem with her. Ruth said these words, she said, your people will be my people. That's an amazing thing to say. They're foreigners, but they're gonna be my people. And she had a spiritual influence because Ruth also chose to love and serve Naomi's God. She said, your God, will be my God. Don't ask me to leave you. So Naomi plans ahead for the future of Ruth. She's looking ahead. She sees Boaz as a, um, a relative, and she's thinking ahead how this might work out in the life of Ruth. She guides Ruth. She helps her to settle into a new land. And Ruth obeys her directions implicitly, not just because she's a mother-in-law, but I think she was a trusted a wise and older friend. So this younger mother or younger woman was looking up to the older woman as a friend. I think Naomi is a role model for us as older mums and grandmas. Um, and I ask that the Lord will help us to have a deep love for our sons, daughters, our sons-in-law and daughters-in-law, that we will foster really good friendships, that we will make it our mission to have good friendships with all the family members. I think we should be praying constantly for God's wisdom. When younger mums, or even in the church, young mums come and ask us for advice, we need to ask God, help us to give godly counsel and wisdom to them. And I think we should be believing that our prayers for them will bear fruit. So she was praying for Ruth and Orpah, that they would be blessed. We need to be praying for our younger members of the family and younger mums, that God will bless them. Recognize that you have a godly influence today. If you have children, 
If you're grandparents, you have a godly influence within the family. We are brought together in our families for a reason. There is a special dynamic in each family. There's a DNA that we can't explain. God has brought us together. No matter how difficult some of those relationships are, I believe God has enabled us as wise mothers and grandmothers to invest in the family and to see good things happening. So not only was she tested, not only did she have this good spiritual influence in the life of Ruth, but we see her joy. The end of the story is wonderful. You do need to read that book. She has great joy because her influence and her guidance in Ruth's life bore fruit because Boaz married Ruth. And he provided for both Ruth and Naomi to the end of their days. He was their provision, provision of God. And Ruth and Boaz had a son named Obed who became the grandfather of King David. So the dynasty of David came directly from the union of Boaz with a Moabite, Moabite widow. And ultimately, God's purposes, I think, for the nation of Israel were worked out through the lives of these people. But we see that Naomi's life was renewed, it was sustained, it was refreshed, and she was filled with joy. Because Ruth 4.16 says, then Naomi took the child in her arms and she cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. She now regarded this little baby as her grandson because she loved Ruth as a daughter. She cared for her, invested in her. She now had a grandson and her heart was filled with joy. But after losing so much in her life and Ruth losing so much, what a lot of joy was there. So how does this speak to us, this story, very quickly? I think Naomi's testing shaped her. I think God allowed testing in her life to shape her to become the woman he intended her to be. Her faith was strengthened. And her testing proved to be a crucial and godly influence in Ruth's life because she saw what Ruth modeled in her life, which was good. And the testing that we go through as mums and grandmas will help us to be the women God wants us to be. I believe we're first and foremost women of godly and supernatural, super spiritual influence and supernatural, that's a good word. Learn to be peacemakers as older mums and grandmas as well because there are difficult family situations facing all of us, but it's good that we can bring peace. She navigated her way through loss in her life and grief to this point. Ask God for his wisdom in your life uh, to be st a strong spiritual influence that will help to change situations. We can be strong prayers in our families, can't we? Praying for our children and our grandchildren, for them to experience God's blessing. And we can know that God is renewing us and re sustaining us as we get older. It doesn't seem that long ago that I first married Paul and then had the children, but it's a lifetime ago. And for some of you, you've got all that coming ahead of you. When we testify about the Lord's goodness in our lives, then we bless and encourage other younger mums experiencing difficult times. So I want to encourage some of you older mothers here today and grandmothers to determine to be a blessing to other younger mums. If you're a grandma, remember you still carry that great spiritual influence in your family to bless and encourage your grandchildren. Do you know, I've had lots of interesting conversations with my different grandchildren. They're all different ages. They'll all talk to me about different things. Um, sometimes I've had to encourage them on their journey in life, whether it's been to do with school issues, friendship issues, bullying, um, or their spiritual journey. And just listening to them 
is not only a blessing to me, but I know it's a blessing to them, just listening, not necessarily giving them advice unless they ask for it. So I want to encourage older women here today who don't have children and who don't have grandchildren, please look out for a family that you can adopt. Adopt a family and become that spiritual voice into them. Spiritual grandma, spiritual mum, that's really important. It will bring you great joy. And be willing to pray for them and to share your personal experiences with them. Because all of us can be used by God to bless others. So just like Naomi, we can help to shape the lives and destinies of younger mums today. I want to read a funny little article that uh, gives a description of grandmothers. It was written by a nine-year-old child. I don't know if it's a boy or girl. And it appeared in the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles newspaper. And this is what this child said. What is a grandmother? A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. She likes other people's little girls and boys. A grandfather is a man, grandmother. He goes for walks with the boys and they talk about fishing and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except be there. They are so old, they shouldn't play hard and they shouldn't run. It's enough if they take us to the marketplace where the pretend horse is and have lots of pennies ready. If they take us for walks, they should slow down past things like pretty leaves and caterpillars. They should never say, hurry up. Usually, grandmothers are fat, but not too fat to tie our shoes, thank goodness. They wear glasses and they wear funny underwear. They can take their teeth out and they take their gums off. Grandmothers don't have to be smart, only answer questions like, why isn't God married? And how come dogs chase cats? Grandmothers don't talk baby talk like other visitors do because that's so hard to understand. When they read to us, they don't skip pages. They don't mind if it's the same story over and over and over again. Everyone should try to have a grandmother, especially if you don't have a television because they're the only grown-ups who have time. So grandma's here today, older mums, you have time. Give the time to your ch children, your grandchildren, and let's all aim to be good models and examples to our kids, teenage and younger mums, as we live out our lives as godly wives, mums, and grandmas. God bless you.